Let's uh, bow for a brief word of prayer before we begin, please. Father, we give you thanks and praise once again for the opportunity we have to simply just to be an instrument and, uh, and uh, a herald, as it were, in a place where we have the liberty to do so. We thank you, Father, for uh, the direction that you've given and that you will give, and we ask your blessings upon your word as it goes forth. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would not only speak to our hearts, but you would captivate our hearts with those things that you would desire us to know and more than anything to do as a result of what you say to us uh, from your word this evening. And so, Lord, we commit it to you when we pray, Father, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted by all that transpires here this evening. For we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. We know from our own personal experiences that determination means the difference between failure and success. Tonight we want to look at what Jesus says about the good quality of determination and its application in prayer. You see, our motivation for serving God sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, is the desire to draw closer to God because of what he has done for us. But we need to be mindful that nothing ever draws us more closer to God than prayer. Prayer has been described as the hand that, the, the hand that moves the Almighty. And um, even though God desires us to be faithful in our service, he desires us even more to come to him in prayer and to be persistent in our prayer and not haphazard, as it were, uh, coming only frequently when our needs and our concerns are to the extent that we don't have anywhere else to turn. But he challenges us not just to ask, but to keep on asking, to keep on asking. I was out of office one day, and I went back. When I returned to the office, I met uh, the president and founder of the company sitting at my desk on my computer, and the website that he had opened was a website that was um, offering courses on swimming, and I thought it was strange, um, and he said to me, you know, I've never learned to swim. He said, can you swim? I said, yeah, I've never learned to swim, and I found it odd because he's a man who has been designing vessels, boats, all of his life. All of his life he's been designing, and he's designed hundreds and hundreds of vessels that are, that are uh, sailing the, the high seas today. But he never learned to swim. And um, when I think about us doing things to get more closer to God, rather than uh, spending more time in prayer with him, that is one of the things, that, that, that story, that, that incident comes to mind. But think about the amount of time the apostles and even Jesus himself during his ministry, his time on earth, spent in prayer. Then consider how much more time we need to pray. And then compare that with how much time you actually spend in prayer. 
Then we'll begin to get an idea of what Jesus is trying to get across to us when he says, ask, or keep on asking. See, the Christian life doesn't run on autopilot. Some people think it does, but it doesn't. It needs, in order to be effective, it needs persistence, doesn't it? We need to be persistent in serving God in whatever we do. Because we know the devil is always there, willing to discourage us from what we are trying to do. But we also need constant navigational resetting. Constantly resetting our navigation. In order that we are mindful, in order that we, are, we remain on course. But then we also need hands-on staring. In order to line up our lives with God's plan and will, we have to be willing, or more than willing, I should say, to surrender to his concerns. How do we do this? Simply by knowing his word and praying. Simply by going before God and asking and asking and asking and not giving up. See, prayer is not a vending machine, like some people think it is, where we can pick what we want and what we want to do. Instead, it's, it's aligning our mindsets with God's mindset. And this passage that we're going to look at tonight has led many people to think that God is really a divine bellhop who will give us whatever we want, whatever we ask for, whatever we want, if we just have enough faith. And there are many who are teaching that today. And there are many who are following that teaching today. If you have enough faith, you can ask for whatever you want. And you'll get it. But that is not, that's not what the passage is teaching us, as we'll see. We're supposed to ask. Yes, we're supposed to seek and we're supposed to knock. We're expected to be persistent with our prayers. But we're not supposed to ask, seek, and knock simply to satisfy our own selfish concerns and desires and agendas. Prayer is seeking actually the Lordship of Christ because he's in control. He's in absolute control. Not just because we have a friendship with him, but because we have a relationship with him. Prayer is the instrument for seeking how to get God's will done instead of our wills. Now, how many times do we go before God in prayer and we are asking, and the last thing on our minds is whether or not what we are asking for is God's will, or rather, simply my desire, or what I want, or what I want to accomplish, or how I want to succeed? Not too often. Many times we go before God and God's will is the last thing on our minds. And yet that's what prayer ought to be all about. And that's what Jesus is talking about as we look at this passage this evening. Imagine being invited to the White House by the President of the United States. And as soon as you walk in, you begin assuming the privileges of the presidency. So much so that soon before you know it, the President kicks you out of the White House. Because you are assuming his job. Yet this is the same thing we do. We act, we act the same way to God, toward God. He has told us to ask. But our asking often demonstrates an attitude of irresponsibility on our part. 
We ask him to overrule his natural laws. We don't even think about it. We simply go and ask. And many times we are asking him to overrule his natural laws and to act as if he is the servant and we are the boss. And he must, conf- he must fully consent, not to our request, but to our commands. See, we must never play God when we pray. So let's look at the passage that we have before us today. Jesus says in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 7, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Now this is a, this is a very bold statement. Not only bold, but it's a direct statement. And, and it's also rare, if not non-existent, in other languages and cultures of the time, including Hebrew law and writings. This passage is saying we have the right, we have the right and the ability, because of what Christ has done on the cross, to go directly to God in prayer. There's no need for mediators. There's no need for priests. There's no need for special rituals. Just simply go to God. We see a promise here in this passage. The promise that gives us the confidence that he hears our prayers and he even answers them. That's a promise that we see here. But we are not to assume that God answers our every whim and desire. That's an assumption that we sadly mistake make many, many times. We're not the focus of the prayer. We're not. Many times we think we are, but we're not. God, the Lord of the universe, is sovereign, and His will is to be sought. Not only is it to be sought, but it is to be brought into our hearts and into our minds and then fleshed out in our daily practice, in the things that we do. So the focus of prayer is not us. But we also see... We also have confidence that his answer is always the best answer. It's not an answer that we get from a friend when we go for some, for some advice. And you get an answer and you don't like it, so you go for a second opinion to somebody else. And you keep going around to other people and to other places until you get the answer that you want to hear. Well, we have, we have the confidence that God's answer is the best answer. And it always is. But you know what? We often ask for things that are not beneficial or right for us. Why? Simply because our view, our understanding, and our thinking lack the information that we need in order to make the right request before God. We only see our temporary concerns, our temporary and immediate needs, whereas God sees the big picture. He sees it all. He sees the beginning from the end, including including the outcome that we do not see and we cannot see. We need to be mindful of the fact that whenever we go before God to ask for anything, His answers to our request, His answers to our petitions, are conditioned upon our abiding in Him and His will. Look at a couple of passages here. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Boy, that sounds appealing, isn't it? John 15, 7. Notice what he says. If you remain, notice the conditions now. If you remain in me 
and my words remain in you. Those are the conditions. Only on those conditions will he grant us anything we ask for. And we notice, if we remain in, his, in him, then whatever we ask for will automatically be in accordance with his will, which means we'll get it. But look at the flip side of that. James gives us the flip side. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. In the first John 5:14, we read, "And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. Anything that what? That does what? And not many times what we want really pleases Him. It's more intended to please us. Isn't that so? But James says, whenever you ask for anything that pleases Him, and since we know He hears us, when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. But notice the condition. It pleases him. It honors him. It's according to his will. It glorifies him. So you see, it's really not all about us. And many times people pray, and their prayer is all about them. Their asking is all about them. Someone says, people go before God with the gimme's. Lord, give me this, give me that, give me that. But it's not all about us. It's about him. And the sad thing that we see happening many times is that so many Christians never enjoy God's favor. They never enjoy the blessings that God really has for them in accordance with His will or according to His will because they do not ask. The question is, have you asked for anything lately according to God's will rather than according to our own concerns and desires? That's the key question that all of us must answer. When we think about all those prayer requests and all those moments and hours that we spend before God asking for something and we haven't gotten an answer yet. We haven't gotten a response. We need to go back and re-examine those prayer requests, those motives behind those prayer requests. Have I been asking according to God's will and His word that He might be glorified? Or was it all about me? In the Greek passage, in the Greek, this passage is in the present tense, which means that there's an implication that it's a continuous action. You see, if you examine the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find that persistence has been a constant theme over and over and over again, meaning that we ought to take our faith to heart and practice it seriously. And that's why he spoke so much about persistence in his teachings. Let's look at a passage in Luke 11, chapter 11. Then, the, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose he went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me! The door's locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Let me ask you, 
How many of us have demonstrated shameless persistence when we go before God and ask for something? Another story in, in Luke 18. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them, to show that they should always pray and never give up. Again, he's talking about persistence. In other words, keep on asking. Pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, he neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? For us to really learn and really apply God's word to our lives daily, we have to learn to be persistent in our seeking and our asking so we can receive the blessings, so that we can be a blessing to others, and so that we can also listen to his call. Not just hear it, but listen intently to it. You see, we can hear a whole lot of things that we're not listening to. I can hear the air conditioning humming right now. I'm not listening to it, but I can hear it. And we all do. We hear a whole lot of things that we're not listening to. God wants us to not just hear him, because a lot of times we hear what God is saying. But we're not listening. It just goes like everything else that blows in the wind. God wants us to listen to his call, to listen to him. Look at verse 8. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now this verse basically repeats the previous verse. The emphasis here is the certainty of God's answer. We can be absolutely sure that God will answer one way or another. You see, God never plays favorites with his children. Everyone who prays receives an answer. It may not be the answer we want. It may not be the answer we were looking for. It may not be the answer that we desired. But we receive an answer. The condition for answered prayer is simple. Keep on asking. Is that simple enough? Just keep on asking. God always hears his children's prayers. There's never a prayer from a child of God that God never hears. He always hears his children's prayers, but his answers, his answers to those requests are in his own way, in his perfect fatherly love and wisdom. That's how we answer our petitions. And sometimes we don't expect that. We think that God is holding off on us. He doesn't want to give us what we should have or what we think we should have. But he answers in his own love and wisdom as any father would answer a child that he desires to do everything possible for. 
Now, the Greek participles used in this verse also draw attention to the continuing action of the believer. Notice, askers have the faith and trust in God that makes them keep on asking until they can truly be characterized as askers who keep asking with a deep desire for God to meet their needs. Now, tell me, does that describe you when you pray, when you ask God for something? Is that a description of you? Can you really describe yourself as an asker? This is what an asker does. Seekers have the determination to keep on seeking what God has for them. We all talk about all the blessings and all the things that God has for us. But when are we going to get them? How are we going to get them? Seekers have the determination to keep on seeking until they receive it. What about knockers? Knockers have the serious desire to keep on knocking to get access. Like the story Jesus told about the, uh, the, the man who came to his friend's house that night knocking. His friend responded because of his shameless persistence. He wasn't ashamed to keep on knocking. Many times we are afraid or ashamed to keep knocking when we go before God. So knockers have the serious desire to keep on knocking to get access to the fellowship and blessings which belong to them in Christ. Does that describe you? As a knocker? See, it would really be an insult. If you go to someone's house, it's important. If it wasn't important, you wouldn't be there, and you just knock once and stop. It would really be an insult. The very word seek means to be searching diligently. It means that you're not going to give up very easily. So asking once and stopping is no evidence at all, really, of real faith and trust in God. Faith in God will cause believers to keep on praying and never, ever, ever give up. Some prayer warriors will tell you, you'll be astounded at how long some of them will tell you that they've been praying for a particular thing. And you would say to them, boy, if I was praying that long, I'd stop because obviously the answer is clear. No. But that doesn't deter them. Because Jesus said, keep on asking. Keep on asking. How long did it take for God to deliver the children of Israel out of their bondage? How many? Four years? No, it's got to be four years. Four hundred years. Four hundred years. Those people were praying. They were asking for four hundred years. Now, Compare it to how long you've been asking for God for something that you haven't gotten yet. And because you haven't gotten it, you decide, you know what, you know, you know that's not in God's will for me, so I'm not going to pray for it anymore. I'm going to stop asking. 400 years. Keep on asking. Never, ever, ever give up. Because it's not all about you. It's about God. It's about God's will. You see, it was God's will for him to deliver the children of Israel. That was his will. And his will was fulfilled, but it was fulfilled in his own time and in his own way. Look at verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. You wouldn't do that, what? would you? The examples in verse 9 through 11 are powerful justifications of the principles Jesus laid down in verses 7 and 8. You see, bread and fish 
were common food staples in the region around Gennesaret during the time that Jesus taught in that area. So it was something that these people can identify with. The loaves were round and flat, not too large. There was something like the, the little pita breads that we have today. And so they could very well resemble stones because stones were flat, just like the pita bread. And so Jesus is saying something that, that he wants these people to be able to identify with. They might easily could be compared to stones. In the same way, a snake and a fish might resemble one another in an external appearance. Snake, fish, eel, snake, eel, they resemble one another to a certain extent. However, no father that I know of, probably you know of some, would give his son a stone that he would break his teeth on trying to bite, or give him a poisonous snake that would bite him. No father that we know of would do something like that, right? Well, this is the point that Jesus is making. Verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Notice that Jesus pointed out both the contrast and the similarities between earthly fathers and the heavenly Father. He said compared to God, men are in his words, being evil, either through deliberate action or careless mistake, they can fail to care properly for their children. The needs of their children, the desires of their children, the wants of their children, the necessities of their children. In fact, the best human parents do not always do what they should do. I know that from experience. I know there are some things that I should have done that I have not done. For my children. And I'm sure all of us can identify with that. Yet even such imperfect people desire good things for their children, don't they? I can't think of any parent who doesn't desire the best of things for their children. How much more will the Heavenly Father, who is good in the truest sense of the word, provide for His children the good things that they ask Him for? How much more? This is the point that Jesus is making. And that term, being evil, is a common reference. And it's a, it's a universal reference to the sinful nature that all of humanity shares. And so we can all identify with that statement, that phrase that he uses. And which is what really the primary reason that Jesus came into the world to pay the, 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 the sin debt so that we can have direct access to God, so that we can go to God and, and simply ask and keep on asking. As a Christian saved by grace, our original sin has been covered, paid for, done. But we still have a tendency or a propensity to sin. We still do. And it, it, it always lurks there, always lurking to trip us up. But as we grow in Christ, we should have the inclination to sin less and less and be more devoted to fulfilling God's will. And think of how that would play into our request when we go before God and ask. Because if we are sinning, if we have the inclination to sin less and less, 
and a desire to fulfill God's will, it means that whenever we go before God and ask, our asking will be in accordance with God's will and not in accordance with the sinful, the sinful inclination of the flesh or the propensity of sin that continues to lurk in our lives. Now Jesus is using a Jewish, a standard Jewish argument here where you start with a lesser statement and if that is true, then the greater corresponding statement must be true as well. That is, that is, that is the, the, the argument that Jesus is using here. But when we think about gifts and things, are these important? Are they essential in the practice of our faith? Of course they are. They include righteousness. They include sincerity, purity, wisdom, and humility. Without these characteristics, as a proof test that Christ has saved us and that the Holy Spirit is actually working in our lives, we would fail to follow his precepts or his principles. And as a result, we'd be of no benefit to ourselves. We'd be no benefit to those around us. In other words, to those around us, whom we are supposed to be a blessing to, we will be good for nothing. If these good things are not active in our lives, seeking such good gifts is a part of the process of building character. And it's something that we really, really should seek. God's concern is, is our, our character and our maturity. And it all plays into how we ask. It all plays into how we ask God for things. Nothing else is of paramount importance to God than our character and our maturity. And that's why God spends so much time on us trying to develop those things because it plays into how we go before Him and ask for things. Many people are so mature, immature that they don't even know how to go to God and ask. The greatest gift we could ever receive besides salvation is the Spirit of God. And God has given us that. We have that. But then look at verse 12. All of this plays into how we ask, how we go before God and ask for things. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now this passage is often referred to as the golden rule. Isn't it? It's been said that he who has the gold makes the rules. Isn't that so? Whoever has the money makes the rules. That's, that's the way things go, right? What do they say? Money talks? Well, if you consider that, then you need to consider the fact that God owns everything. He owns space, time, eternity. They're all his. He has the gold. And so he's the one who makes the rules. And so if he says, keep on asking, he's the one who we ought to be obeying. But the golden rule means that which is most important, or the most important rule. As this passage is talking about the treatment of others, how we treat other individuals. And it all comes down to how we want to be treated. Then treating our others in the same way. And of course, for this to work, we have to have the self-esteem that is rooted in Christ and the character traits that are prescribed 
in the word of God. Galatians chapter 5. Specifically. But notice. Do also to them. Was based on a common saying. Among many Jewish thinkers and Greek philosophers. That goes back to the most ancient literature. And so this is not something that Jesus just came up with. This is something that people have been saying for centuries, over and over again. This saying was a negative statement that said, Do not do to others what you do not want done to you. That's what, that was the statement. That was a common statement uh, from Greek philosophers that went back for centuries. Jesus does a play on it. Jesus replaces the emphasis as a positive obligation based on the goodness of God. So he's not saying what people have always said down through the centuries. He's put a new twist on it. And we see the universality, universality of that statement and the many teachings of those who have been preaching it or teaching it for years. Uh, the Hindus teach, this is a sum duty, do not to others, which if done to thee would cause thee pain. The Buddhists teach, hurt not others with that which pains yourself. The Muslim Quran teaches, no one of you is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. The Baha'i said, you should not wish for others that which he does not wish for himself, nor promise that which he does not fulfill. Greek philosophers thought, do not to thy neighbor that thou wouldest not suffer from him. And do not do unto others what angers you if done to you by others. Confucius. What you do not want others to do to you, do not do to others. Hebrew literature. What is hateful to you, do not to your fellow men. This is the entire law. All the rest is commentary. Notice, Jesus asks us to do something positively to others, while other religions only prohibit us from doing something harmful to others. Jesus, do unto others what you want them to do to you. Other religions, don't do to others what you don't want done to you. The difference is that others only require us not to cause any harm to others. As a Christian, we have a higher calling and duty because we are called to demonstrate kindness and the rest of the disciplines of the Spirit to others. And those disciplines we see in Galatians 5 what that we call the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the disciplines that we are supposed to use when we deal with others. And so the, the, the point is, God is willing. God is willing and able to give. He wants to give every good and perfect gift to all of us who ask Him. Simply have to ask to keep on asking so we can receive it. Not to get tired. The Bible reminds us to pray without ceasing. And there are many other passages that tell us not to be weary when we go before God in prayer. The key is persistence. And remembering that we must always seek what is according to God's will and character 
as the major prize in what we're asking for. The prayer is a relationship to build, to mold, to grow us deeper to the heart of God. It's not just an asking machine. Even if you have the right pure motives and spend your time in intercession for others, as we all should do, all the time, Jesus is telling us to keep on asking. That's inquiry. Keep on seeking, finding it. Isn't there a joy in finding something? Don't you feel good when you find something? When you're looking for something, um, I, I, I can think of times when you've been studying for something and, uh, and you, you're looking for answers and you can't find it and you're studying and all of a sudden you find it and you're, you're leaping for joy. You're so excited. It's a good feeling to find something, isn't it? Well, that's what he's talking about. Knocking. Then it will be open to you so that you can find it. You see, whatever you, you, you want to find is never going to be open to you until you keep on. Is someone going to open their door to you if you don't knock on it? Are they? If you don't knock, they're not, they're not going to know you're there, right? So you got to knock in order that they will know that you're there and respond by opening. And this is what Jesus is saying. It'll be open to you. It'll be given to you. Asking plus action plus perseverance equals pursuit of character and growth. To be more mature, a more mature Christian. It leads to a deeper, leads us to going deeper in our relationship with the Lord and with others. And to be of more use or more beneficial to God and to others around us. There's one rule that summarizes what the law and the prophets were all about. In human relations, just as the commandment of, of love your neighbor as yourself was summed up. Just one rule. Just one. But this also applies to, to outreach and evangelism. Would you like to be told that you're a sinner and you'll burn in hell? I know someone who told someone that, by the way. He said, are you saved? Well, he says, no, we'll go to hell. That's not a way of witness, isn't it? But would you like someone to tell you that? To tell you that you're, you're a sinner and you'll burn in hell? Or, or have someone make friends with you and model Christ's character you so that you would, you would want to become a Christian? Or at the very least, have someone use loving and caring words along with listening and positive construction, constructive encouragement when needed. One way works and the other way doesn't. It's up to us to use the right way. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now think about it for a moment. If the world actually followed these spiritual teachings, what would it do? It'll make a monumental change, wouldn't it? It would end wars, reconcile political problems, and all forms of conflict, including personal contention, strife, selfishness, and greed. Imagine what would happen if everyone followed Jesus' teachings. 
What would it be like in your school, in your home, in your office, in your workplace, in any other places? Think of what it would be like if people simply followed the teachings of Jesus. It's something to think about. When we take Jesus' words, keep on asking. This passage not only needs to be memorized as much as it needs to be functional in our lives. It calls for commitment. Commitment is something that many people try to get away from rather than go toward. It calls for commitment. And it's something that must be accomplished. It should be accomplished. God desires that we be close in relationship with him, not merely for asking what we can get from him. Because many times people get involved in a relationship with someone simply because of what they can get from them. And sad to say, there are people in relationships with God for that very reason. Simply because of what they can get from God. But that's not God, what God wants of us. He will give us whatever we need and much more. God is the type of God who goes beyond and above. Not only does he give us what we want, but he gives us what we don't want, more than what we need, more than what is sufficient. That's the kind of God that he is. If you only ask for what you think you want, you'll never have a clue of what the true meaning of maturity and surrender is all about. Not a clue. My old self has been crucified. Paul says in Galatians 2.20 Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was, there was no need for Christ to die. So what is the bottom line? It's pretty much straightforward. Our motives, obedience, persevering, will be the key when we go before God and asking and taking our peti petitions. Be in love with Him. Are we in love with God like we are in love with other things? and other people be in love with him and that way when God when we go before God and we ask he knows that we don't we don't have any ulterior motives like the little boy who was praying one night he says Lord please give me enough money to buy an elephant and his father overheard him his father went into the room and he said son what, do you, what would you do with an elephant he said who wants an elephant all they want is the money and many times we go before God with those ulterior motives be in love with him don't love him because of what we can get from him, but because of what he can do in and through us. Seek his presence. Don't try to get away from him. Do all that we can to get closer to him. And of course, be persistent in our prayers. But then there are times when we're afraid to ask because we think we may ask for the wrong thing. Well, we need to remember that all of us do that at one time or another. I've done it. So many of us can say that we've done the same thing. 
we've asked for the wrong thing but what we need to remember is as we draw closer to God we will learn to ask for the right thing and that's why it's so important to get closer to him the closer we get to God the more we will be able to ask according to his will and his word prayer is persistence and learning that's what it's all about what is prayer? We are simply communing with God. And when we talk with a person who is intelligent, a person who is wise, don't we have a tendency for that to rub off on us sometimes? And that's why the Bible warns us about who we ought to keep company with, who we ought to hang out with. Because the more we hang out with the, with the kinds of people that we hang out with, the more we become like them. And, and the more we hang out with God, the more time we spend with God in prayer, even if it means you're asking over and over again for the same thing, the fact of the matter is you're communing with God. You're hanging out with God. And God knows you're serious about what you're asking for. And like the children of Israel who have been asking for 400 years, God, God is going to provide in his own way, in his own time. So our challenge today as we leave here and as we go through the course of this week and as we spend time before God in prayer, going over those same requests that we've been praying for for weeks and months and years, don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. God desires us to ask. He's not tired. He doesn't say, you again? Not that same request again. You've been asking for that for 25 years. Don't you get the message? No, that's not God. He wants us to be persistent to keep on asking because that's how we know that we are serious and we desire to spend the time with him to ask may the Lord challenge our hearts as we take what God has intended for us to get out of his word tonight and it's not the same thing for all of us so all of us got a different message from God tonight I know I did Take that message and run with it. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Father, that our Lord Jesus Christ was determined in his ministry to teach persistence. And many who traveled and followed him learned from that. We pray, Lord, that we would learn from that tonight, that we would remember, Lord, that we are not a nuisance when we come before God in prayer. And he doesn't get tired of us asking because he simply asks us to keep on asking because he knows that we're serious and asking gives us an opportunity to spend more time with him and so Lord we pray Father that may be the growing desire upon our hearts as we leave here tonight may we take the individual message that you intended for each of us and capitalize on it and apply it to our lives in order that you might be glorified and exalted in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said Amen. The Lord bless you and make you a blessing for him as you go.